0: What's going on guys? Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, or good night, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to the NFL News Edition of the Atlantic Discussion Podcast. I am Trinity Collins. This podcast is featured primarily on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other audio platforms. Don't forget to check out my website at trinity24.wixsite.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y 24 at Wixsite.com. You can follow me on Instagram at one man island underscore productions and also check out my YouTube channel one man island productions. I have sports highlights podcast podcast clips and more. I have an excellent show for you guys today. Seattle Seahawks Super Super Bowl odds. I'm going to talk about how I see them ending their season NFL week seven predictions Trevor Lawrence draft status and more. But first. Let's discuss three games in particular from this past Sunday. There were three blowouts that told three different stories that will, encaps- will like pretty much tell the story of like what those teams are. All right. So once again, there were three blowouts this past weekend that told three different stories. I learned three different things from the Packers, the Cowboys, and the Browns' blowout losses. The Browns' blowout loss to the Steelers told us that this team is a distant third-best team in the division. And it was a wake-up call. You got smacked around by the Ravens on opening day, and you got annihilated by the Steelers this past Sunday. I know Baker Mayfield played terrible. And yes, I know the Steelers are undefeated. But you have to be competitive. If the Browns lost 24-21, to nobody would be calling for the Browns to replace May- Baker Mayfield. But it didn't happen. The Browns got annihilated, and it seems like the only way they can actually win games is by beating the lower-tier teams and the Bengals. And if they make the playoffs, they'll get blitzed in the first round of the playoffs. And be, then we'll be asking questions of whether the, whether the Browns will pick up the fifth-year option, re-sign Baker, franchise tag him. Or whatever the Packers the Packers performance against the Buccaneers reminded us that this team still can't handle a physical defense on a good team it happened twice against the 49ers last year it happened against the Chargers and it happened against the Buccaneers this past Sunday the Packers will be fine they're still a playoff caliber team but the Cardinals can display some intensity and they're on the schedule they face the Niners also, and they can still play hard, even though they're missing a lot of their key players. The Bears are in their division; they're playing hard, fast, and with new energy since Nick Foles took over. So, the Packers need to make adjustments in their approach to Rough Riders, because if it doesn't change, I don't see them making the playoff. Sorry, I don't see them making a the Super Bowl once again this year. And lastly, the Cowboys. An embarrassing performance told us one thing and one thing only. Dallas needs to meet Dak Prescott at whatever price and years he wants. If that's what the Cowboys are like without Prescott, then Jerry Jones would be crazy to franchise tag him again. The Colts in 2011, the Packers in 2017, and the Broncos in 1992 all went through this scenario. Their highly talented superstar-level quarterback went down with the injury, and was in the lineup. And what happened? They crumbled, and they were lost. I never believed, and still don't believe, that Press Prescott deserves Patrick Mahomes' money, uh, Russell Wilson kind of money, like, you know, breaking the box off, breaking, like, the bank kind of money. But I did believe that he deserved to get paid, and he didn't, and now I look at them. That is what I learned from watching those three games which is the reason why it's important to watch the games and don't rely on surface stats. The Packers need to play better against the physical teams. The Browns need to compete better against superior teams. And the Cowboys need to pay Dak and not franchise tag him again. Because if they franchise tag him, you're just telling us one thing, that that Jerry Jones and his Cowboys front office is horrible, dysfunctional, and right now not focused on winning championships. Is just being friends and just paying people, just to pay people, and not actually understanding who really deserves the money. All right, so let's get into the Seattle Seahawks. I don't believe this team will win a championship this year, especially. Russell Wilson is playing Ava's mind through the first five games of the season. Fifteen touchdowns, fifteen hundred yards passing. 70% of passes completed, and also they're undefeated. So why do I think they're not going to win the Super Bowl? They have the worst defense in the league. And also, Russell Wilson is probably going to win the MVP. And if you ever even picked up a book and actually, or went on went on the website and looked on Wikipedia of the last many MVPs, you would notice that every single MVP dating back to the year after Kurt Warner won the Super Bowl in 1999... They all did not end with a championship. Why did Dan Marino only get one Super Bowl appearance in 17 seasons? His defense was terrible. And he had to constantly save them from going 1-15 or even just making by Sunday. Aaron Rodgers rarely had a very good defense. And he has one championship ring. The Chiefs could have played at back-to-back Super Bowls If the 2018 team had a solid defense. Historically, the teams with a better defense usually wins that Super Bowl. The Seahawks defense next to the Cowboys are on a historic path of ineptitude. You're probably wondering who can beat them and how. The same way you beat any great offensive squad, you keep them off the field. You run the ball, you kill the clock, and you keep the the weakest link on the field, which is the Seahawks defense. And look at the teams they have in their conference. The Buccaneers have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. You're telling me they can't run on the Seattle defense? The Packers have four running backs. They can run on this defense. The Cardinals just dropped 200 yards against Dallas Cowboys this past Monday. Minnesota had a good day on the ground, I think a week or two ago, and almost beat Seattle. The Seahawks will most likely win the NFC West, probably get one of the top two seeds in the conference and will make it at least to the divisional round or to the conference game, but will not win a Super Bowl because the thing that Russell Wilson had earlier in his career that helped him win his first championship is failing him right now, and that is the defense. If they prove me wrong, I will admit it. I don't think they, I don't think they will. And I think Russell Wilson will have to endure another divisional first round loss. Alright, so coming up next is an update on the Saints and allowing fans into their Mercedes-Benz Superdome and also Trevor Lawrence entering the draft. That's coming up next on the NFL Weekly News Edition. Thanks for sticking around during that little music commercial that I have playing. uh, A very generic music that I found on YouTube. So once again, thank you if you you stick around. So our next story comes to us from The Big Easy. The Saints stay in the Superdome. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell and the New Orleans Saints have agreed to allow fans to attend Saints games at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So here's how they're going to approach this. They will begin with fans in attendance at Saints' home game in the Saints' home game against the Carolina Panthers. Season ticket holders will have access to 3,000 tickets for the Saints' Panthers contest. An increase in crowd size will only be possible if current trends in terms of COVID-19 numbers quote, remain stable. And then a possible capacity increase to 6,000 will be possible for incoming games against the San Francisco 49ers on November 15th And Atlanta Falcons November 22nd. A plan for further increases will follow with the aim of 15,000 for December games against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings. Within the release the Saints and the mayor's and the major's office encourage fans to wear masks, practice good hygiene, and social distance. So right now, this is all good news. They're going to be, st- they won't be going to LSU, Vanderbilt, or you know wherever. They, they won't pull a 2006, 2006- not 2016, but 2006 Saints and going many different locations to have home games. They will stay in the Big Easy. Um, look, it's easy to make this decision if you're in an outdoor facility like the Buccaneers, because SoFi Stadium is an indoor facility and they don't have any fans. They won't have any fans for the entire 2020 season. So indoors is harder, you, all that stuff will stay indoors and there's a better chance for you people to contract the virus. But here's the thing, if they're able to keep the cases at a minimum, then go for it. Other than that, be careful and make sure you evaluate week by week and make sure everybody stays safe and there won't be any spikes down in the Big Easy because that's the last thing that this, that that state and that city and that region needs. All right, so let's get into Trevor Lawrence, the big college prospect coming out of Clemson. If the season ended today, this would be the draft order from 1 to 10. Jets, Jaguars, Giants, Bengals, Falcons, Washington football team, Chargers, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Vikings. I think that Trevor Lawrence should pull a John Elway and Eli Manning. Refuse to play for certain teams. Control your future. Control your career. The Dolphins, Chargers, Bengals, and Giants, along with the Cowboys, will not move off their quarterbacks. They will keep them. So who's left? First, the New York Jets, a franchise whose best quarterback since Joe Namath, who wasn't really that good of a quarterback if you really look at his stats and look at him as a as a as a in a career as a whole, wasn't that good. But since Namath. Their best quarterback was Brett Favre. They're bad from top to bottom. And whenever there's a glimmer of hope, they squash it. An example of that? Every Sunday. What's next? The Jaguars. The Jaguars are a forgotten team. And that's all they are. The Falcons are a risk because they're bringing a new front office. Um, Depending on who gets in determines my feelings about that. If they have a competent GM and an Eric Bieniemy as head coach, then go to the Falcons. You'll have instant success, in my opinion. Within three years, you'll probably be a playoff contender and pushing for a championship. And also, the division will be yours in two years because Breeze and Brady will definitely be gone in about three to four years. Breeze this year, definitely. Brady in two years, most likely. Next is the Washington football team. I would not go to them, honestly. Dan Snyder is still there. He's been inept at put, putting together a quality front office. Head coaches, except for Ron Rivera, Mike Shanahan, and also um, Schottenheimer, have been below average hires, which also displays the record of him being a losing owner since 1999. And also, he went through a hellacious news filled offseason, with all these scandals, allegations, and the, and the name rights. I mean, I wouldn't go there. It's a, it's a dysfunctional franchise, and Dan Snyder will ruin your career, just like he ruined RG3's career. So who's left? The Minnesota Vikings. I don't know if they can move off of Kirk Cousins. I mean, his contract is very hefty. But if they can, look, they're one quarterback away from being a playoff team, and quite frankly, a quality team. If they had an A-plus quarterback back in 2017 during that championship game against the Eagles, there's a good chance they go to the Super Bowl and actually have a good chance of winning that championship game. And there's a good chance they'll, they'll return to the playoffs the following year. Kirk Cousins is not working. He's playing like Mitchell Trubisky. And probably a little worse. And that's saying a lot. Based on the first two ten, sorry Based on the first 10 teams, five won't be looking for a quarterback even though a few of them need a change. Three teams are dysfunctional and will will ruin this, this kid's career before it gets started. If the season ended today, I believe that the Falcons and the Vikings are the best options. Maybe the Falcons more so because they've proven they can draft a young quarterback and put the pieces around them to be competitive for about a decade or so. And also, the old guard is on their way out to easy ride in. Lawrence is ready, I think, right out the gates. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what teams bail on the season and go get Lawrence. And for the Vikings, I um, mean, Mike Zimmer is a defensive head coach. He's gonna fix his defense by next year. It's a lot of young guys. It's a rebuilding defense. He will fix it. And that's the one thing that you need as a young QB. You need a defense. And you also need a strong running game. Now, look, uh, some 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 guys can put the team on their back, and weld, and weld them to a championship, or at least close to a championship. Pat, Pat Mahomes in his first year starting did the same thing. Andrew Luck did that. It's hard. Never recommend it, but it's possible. But again, it's going to be very interesting to see how some teams will bail on the season to go get Lawrence, or some teams will just go for it and, and forget the quarterback and maybe go get one in free agency. Who knows? All right. So coming up next, the Chiefs took on the Buffalo Bills and displayed one thing that I've been praying they'll do since they drafted 32nd overall Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Then after that, I'll talk about Tua Tonga Valoa finally getting in some finally getting in some action and being a starter for the Miami Dolphins. That's coming up next. Alright guys, welcome back to the NFL Weekly News Edition. The Kansas City Chiefs have a running game. You know what's great about the Chiefs? And what's also bad about, and like what's also sad about them? The Chiefs have a great offense. Endless amounts of weapons. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and now Le'Veon Bell. This is a pass-first team. They don't run the ball a lot. And if he doesn't even try to run the ball a lot, because he has Mahomes, he has all this weapons, he has all these stuff that he can do, create, draw up plays in the dirt, these different screens, passing routes, all that stuff. But what they did to Buffalo this past, was it this past Monday? Yeah, it was this past Monday. Put a smile on my face. It's easy to defend someone if you know what they're going to throw at you. If you're facing a defense that all season can generate a pass rush without, sorry, can't generate a pass rush without blitzing. They have to blitz in order to get after you. It's easier to, to defend and attack that defense. Hot routes if they play back just easy handoffs. It's easy to figure that out. If it's on offense, if say for example. If the Titans still had Marcus Mariota, you'd know to stack the box and force Mariota, Mariota to throw. He couldn't do it for about three to four seasons, and that was the reason why the Titans was stuck in, in a nine and seven purgatory. The Chiefs ran the football forty-six times, nearly two hundred yards on the ground. This is what I've been wanting to see from this team since. Since the Chiefs took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with a 32nd overall pick. And it also answered the question, are you more than Pat Mahomes and his eye, c- eye candy stats? I never believed that a team that is one dimensional on offense can win a Super Bowl. The New England Patriots proved that being multi-dimensional and dynamic as far as game preparation and what you can attack has been proven right for them for 20 years. The Packers have been proven wrong for 15 with Rodgers having to carry the team constantly and constantly and constantly, rarely having a a running game, and only this time he has a running game, and now they're consistently a great team. The formula to beat Mahomes, as the Raiders and the Patriots have proved, don't blitz him. Force him to check the ball down. It then becomes a pedestrian offense. Andy Reid did the wise thing. And I hope this won't be a one-time thing. Running the football. This is why I liked and knew Le'Veon Bell would sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid probably saw a constant trend in the the more recent games that Mahomes has struggled in. They all are playing back. Four guys rush, seven guys play back. Force him to check the ball down. And slowly slowly get the ball down the field because nickel and diamond it can only get you so far. That's the reason why that's the reason why Mahomes and Reid are a perfect perfect couple. They love pushing the ball down the field and getting chunk plays, just getting the end zone in like in about a minute instead of five minutes. So the Chiefs I think made their lives easier with a potential running game. Because why would you just lean on your golden goose all the time? Why does Patrick Mahomes have to make Sports Center top ten Highlights every single day, game. He doesn't have to. And by the way, who cares? Focus on winning the football game. And don't make life hard. Make it easy. So I think I think we're going to see more of the running game for the Chiefs. Now let's get into breaking news. Well, not really breaking news, but more recent news. Tua Tagovailoa is now the new starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And he'll start in two weeks at home against Aaron Donald in the Los Angeles Rams. The Dolphins' best quarterback prospect since Marino will take the field. So, what I've been hearing, sports analysts and players were shocked that happened at this point in the season. Fitzpatrick led the team to a 3-3 and record and one game out of first place. All right, so here, look, here's the reality with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been in the NFL since 2005. Only one time during his career did he finish the season with a winning record. He's not capable of getting into the playoffs. The last time I think he was, that he was close to a playoff appearance was in 2015 when he was 10-5. and five. He needed one more win against the Buffalo Bills, his former team, to make it in. And he wet the bed. That's all you need to know about Fitzpatrick. He's good for like half the season. But he's not good as a solution or at least a guy you can lean on for the entire season. And by the way, Tua getting the starting job during the bye week is an incredibly smart move. And his first game is at home. And also, look, you're not winning the Super Bowl or winning the division. You're still in a rebuild. You're another draft draft class away from a fine-tuned guitar. Right now, we should be evaluating Tua during his rookie season. And don't do that. He looks like Marino. He looks like Brady, John Elway, Russell Wilson. You know, if you cock your head to the right a little bit, squint your eyes, and maybe like like maybe like bite your lip a little bit. He looks like you know Doug Flutie. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Just evaluate him. Is he calm? Is he confident? Is he scanning the field instead of staring down receivers? Is he learning from his mistakes? I don't care what he does in his rookie year. He can go 4-6 and for all I care. I wouldn't care, honestly. The The goal is to develop him. Think about this for a second. Baker Mayfield had a solid rookie year. And for Brown's standards, it was a great rookie year. It's been downhill ever since then. Jared Goff had a terrible, horrible, ugly rookie year. People thought he was a bust. He played in a Super Bowl two years ago, and he hasn't. And he's having a bounce back season this year. This was always the plan. Fitzpatrick plays up to a certain point. Tua will give you, will give you a bye week to get ready to play Aaron Donald. Don't worry about not making the playoffs. It's all a part of the plan. I feel like Heath Ledger's joker right now for the Dark Knight. It's all a part of the plan. Meme it too. So right now, I'm all excited for him. Hopefully, he took excellent notes of Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Payne Manning, and Brady on the art of sliding and avoiding big hits. You play into your late 30s and early 40s by getting... By being safe, and understanding that, listen, there's always in the next play or the next series. You don't play into your thirties and forties if you get Drew Bledsoe hit. That's how you not play into your thirty, 30 and forties. All right. So coming up next, NFL top ten teams. These are my, this is my list of the top ten teams entering this weekend of football. And to end the show, I will tell you guys three games from three different. Time slots, one one o'clock game, four thirty game, and a prime time game that I think are interesting and you should look out for. So stay tuned. We are in the final two stories, two segments of the entire show. Let's get into the top ten teams heading into this weekend's football games. At number ten, I have the Cardinals. I think this team is really underrated. I know they beat the Cowboys and both New York teams, but they did beat the Niners on opening day. They are a young team and they are a gamed team. I think they can definitely go three and three in this division they got the Seahawks next, who I think they can beat. I think they need to be more consistent on offense. It seems like Kyle Murray is deciding to run more than pass, which means that they need to adjust on the passing really much. Other than that, I think they're a top-10 team. I think they're a little bit better than the Rams, which was my deciding factor who could be number 10. So Cardinals at 10. At 9, the Bills. Despite the fact that they lost to -to back-to-back games, They're still one of the better teams in AFC and the NFL. They need to fix this defense, which is the reason why they're so low. Josh Allen is right now the focus, which should not be the case. They were a solid running team last year. They're going to need to channel that energy this year to share their load. (coughs) The Bears at eight. Defense is good, the offense is solid. Much better with Foles in the lineup than Trubisky. But I need to see more of them before I can determine if they could be a, a playoff team that can make some noise. Now, they're going to be below the Buccaneers. Just because you beat a team in the regular season doesn't mean you're going to be ranked ahead of them. It just means that you beat them. I think the Buccaneers are better than the Bears. Alright. At 7, the Ravens. Since the Chiefs game... I've noticed a few things. Besides Jackson running the running the football, their run game isn't really that strong. Iowa Brown and Willie Shepard, or uh, Willie Sneed, my bad, are good receivers, but I don't think they are number one receivers. I think they're two and three. But based on the rest of their schedule, it's entirely possible that they can win 12 games or or more, snag one of the top two seeds in AFC and go from there. So Ravens at seven. At six, the Seahawks. And it's the same reason why I mentioned earlier in the show. I cannot put a team that has a poor defense in the top five. I can't do it. Russell Wilson carrying his team, which can also be their downfall. The Seahawks can't stop the run. Buccaneers, Niners, Rams, Packers could definitely take advantage of this team. They're this high on the list at 6 because of the 5-0 record and the fact that Russell was in activated God mode. That's the only reason. Okay, at 5, the Packers. Yes, they lost to the Buccaneers. Yes, they got blown out. And yes, Rodgers played like Mark Sanchez in his prime. This same thing happened three times last year. And one of them was in the NFC Championship game. The Packers will be fine. But if they don't get their act together in handling rough riders and physical defenses, this season will this season I'll move off of them this season if they don't fix it. Titans at four. Now this could change based on this weekend. Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind. Derrick Henry is ready. And by the way, Derek Henry is such a great athlete. He could read the Canterbury Tales while still rushed for 100 yards. Mike Vrabel is one of the smartest head coaches in the league. This version of the Titans can definitely challenge and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. One of the reasons why they're high in the list their game against Buffalo. Two weeks off, barely practicing, bloom off the field. That's a good team. They're at four. Steelers at six. Sorry, Steelers at three. Now, again, this could change based off this weekend. The steel curtain is back. Roethlisberger is doing good things on offense. The only team that the that they have, the only team they have to worry about is the Ravens. This is what happens when you get rid of Antonio Clown and Le'Veon Bell. It's more peaceful in the locker room. There's not a lot of distractions. There's no "I" guys. They're just "we" guys. Mike Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons. This could potentially. Have them winning the division if all goes according to plan. And who knows? They can get their number one seed. But the Steelers are a very good team. They're way better without Brown and Le'Veon Bell on this team. And I've said this for years. Even I think around the 2016-17 season. They don't need Brown or Bell. They need to get rid of them. They have a talented roster anyway. Just find their replacements, and you can move on. Steelers at three. All right, so at number two, the Chiefs. They added Le'Veon Bell to a stacked roster on both sides of the ball. They've proved against Buffalo that they can that they can they, they can commit to the run and ease the pressure off of Mahomes. Their defense needs to needs to improve, but also they've proved in the past that they can get to a conference game with a subpar to bad defense. Now, if they improve, I would say that this would be a very very tough team to beat. So Chiefs are two, and the number one team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you blow out an undefeated team that came off a bye, you deserve special praise. They did that. Brady is and they, first of all they did that, and Brady did not throw for two hundred yards, impressive. So if that's the case, because Brady's getting better, and the defense is humming, it looks like it looks like a two thousand two squad they deserve they deserve the top spot in the league. So that's my top 10 list. Cardinals at 10, Bills at 9, Bears at 8, Ravens at 7, Seahawks at 6, Packers at 5, Titans at 4, Steelers at 3, Chiefs at 2, and Buccaneers at 1. All right, so let's get into my last segment of this of the evening. Week 7 predictions. Three games, three different time slots, 1 o'clock, 4.30, primetime game. These are the games that I think are the most intriguing and we should look out for. First, Steelers at, at Titans. I'm taking the Titans to win this game 28-21. to 21. I know the Steelers have a, the number one ranked defense against the run, but the Titans can defeat you in, in a multitude of ways. Derek Henry lining up defenses, and if it gets to the second level, if he gets there with the linebackers and the safeties, it's over. This is the first time the Steelers have an, op- have an opponent that's a legit team. 5-0 four 4-2, this is a legit team. Three out of their first five games came down to one score, and they're all bad teams. I think they'll get a rude awakening. I think Tannehill will have a good day. And the Titans will get the win, 28-21. Next game, the four-thirty game, Buccaneers versus the Raiders. Buccaneers will win 35-20. Tampa's defense gave Aaron Rodgers so much hell, I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers woke up with a hangover after five fingers of tequila. Brady is heating up, the defense is humming, and I think they can win the division. The Raiders are a team that needs this game more than the Bucks. I'm not sold on them right now, to be honest. I saw them against the Bills and the Saints, but I need to see them against the Brady and the Bucks to really be convinced that they can definitely get to the playoffs and also be a force in the regular season and in the AFC West. So Buccaneers, I predict, will win 35-20. Alright, and the final game. Cardinals hosting the Seahawks. Cardinals will win 27-21. People forget the Cardinals went into Seattle last year and smoked the Hawks. They ran all over Dallas last week. The Seahawks defense isn't that far off to being the worst defense in the league. The Seahawks... It's funny. The Seahawks have to lose at some point because they're undefeated. And it seems like this divisional game will be, will be that one. Now, what I would say, the Seahawks in this game will realize that offense doesn't need any additional piece. They need defense. And this game, I believe, will be a wake-up call. Because if you notice, there's some rumors that they will be pursuing Antonio Brown. And they don't need him. They need linemen, linebackers, safeties, the National Guard to defend and, keep and help Russell Wilson get to a championship. But I believe that the Cardinals will win 27-21. Alright guys, thank you for listening to the NFL News Edition of the Atlantic Discussion Podcast. I am Trinity Collins. I'll be back next week on Friday on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other audio platforms. Check out my YouTube channel and my website at 24 widside.com. That's T-R-I-N-T-I-Y 24 at Wixsite.com for sports highlights, photos, pictures, and more. Those channels, that channel and website will carry that. My YouTube channel and my Instagram are both one man Island productions. Check them out and enjoy yourself again. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend and I'll see you guys in the future.